2: Welcome to the AEW Rampage preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamfler from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT. bye oh AEW. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round-up of the week complete with a really good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hambler, to look ahead to Rampage tonight. Sige is literally putting the finishing touches this week and weekend to his brilliant book, All About AEW, which is available to pre-order now if you want to go and get that. WhatCulture.BigCartel.com, all about the rise of AEW, basically. It is sensational he's been working so so hard on it and it is the perfect christmas gift for yourself or for a family member or a friend or just an excuse to get away from spending time with your family because i love christmas but it does get to a point doesn't it hamlet when you're like oh i just need a bit of time to myself now please yeah
3: a bit much um love christmas everything cliche to tell you about christmas is true with the kids etc etc but every single Christmas day for the last eight years has been at least 15 minutes where I've taken some of the biscuits or some of the chocolates and gone to the toilet. <laughs> so this year, I can recommend that experience for any of the, ty- any
2: of the tired mums or dads listening to this podcast. Go and do it with Sidwicks new AEW book. Well, before we dive into the preview, where are my manners? We should pick up where well, we always start, and that is by popular demand. <laughs> oh, God, this. Oh, no.
3: How do you make me forget?
2: The Rampage Rat? I Michael it. please don't give me a beat because we're on Zoom and it'll be obviously terrible or even. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. 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 Rampage, let's clap and cheer. Tonight, will Punk get a match for full gear? A trick-or-treat match. Oh, wow, how spooky. Abaddon's so scary. I just made dookie. <laughs> the Eliminator. Has Brian got the guts? Or will Eddie make him redeem these nuts? Martin is side three, I'm sold. And don't forget Leo Rush, the 26-year-old piece of gold. I want to be a cowboy, oh, baby. Boy, baby. I mean, do we need to really preview the show? I've kind of just done it all there, haven't I? You've done it.
3: Uh, that's our podcast, yeah. Um, oh, Joe, you know, you're, you're a piece of garbage robot. We, we've we said this a lot of times before, Now, people know prep notes. We take this podcast seriously. Prep notes, conversation, all that kind of stuff before the podcast, we have these chats. Then we'll and puts the list together, we go through a little bit of the bits. I know people must think that all of this crack is improvised. We're just not that talented. <laughs> um, and he, he came at me this morning, um... It's Martin Sidell three, isn't it? And I'm I, I'm nervous because AEW and WWE's been a bit scattered while I was off and things like that. Yeah, there was a dark match. They, I'm sure the wrestlers on a Saturday Night Dynamite. I don't want to get these things wrong. I'm here to be a, a fact guy, more than happy to be that guy. And I, I want to get it right. I check a couple of dates. Yeah, yes, we're born, we're good. And now I'll find out which is because three was a word that rhymes with a lot of stuff. God damn you! God damn you!
2: <laughs> anyway. Some people may have seen
3: it. It's <laughs> Don't tell L too. Who knows? The match could be poo. Oh, God. It's the third match. That back is the whole wrap.
2: I've already done it. I've already done a dookie line earlier. I've burnt through my poo material for this week. <laughs> and yes, if you're wondering, I did go back and watch the clip, which is Good. just... It's only 30 seconds and it's still too long of him just going, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, and a bloke grabbing his ass that's just covered. It's like, oh, it's, it's so, so
3: wet. It's so, we all know the rumours. This is veering so far away from Rampage. People are not going to like this. But everybody knows the story of apparently No Holds Barred was as good as done. And then Vince McMahon took a look at it. Thought it was a raw script from 2021, hated it, tore the whole thing up, and him and Vince, uh, him and Hulk Hogan, went into a hotel room with energy drinks and spent <laughs> the weekend <laughs> rewriting the whole thing, and then out came the, what the No Holds Barred we saw, and that scene encapsulates just how Vince Man film is. In a normal film, big strong man holds heavy by the scruff of neck and heavy himself, and that's the scene. Right in No Holds Barred. Hogan stops what he's doing to go, what's that smell? Then the camera shows the back of a soaking wet, pissed through with brown water pair of suit trousers. And then he goes, there have been three ginormous red flags to let you know that this man has caked his pants when one of them would have been enough. Like it wouldn't even need it to be that if you're pardon the pun heavy-handed. They could have just been you could have just been like, hold on. And the guy's really scared, and then he waddles off or something like that to let you know that he's, you know, himself. No, you get the whole thing labored on because you know, it's not that far away from Vincent Man Elbow and Bruce with the dog poop, the dog poop. There is nothing funnier, Bruce. There is nothing funnier than
2: Anyway, let's talk about Rampage tonight. <laughs> and before we get to the matches, um, it's, <clears throat> it's somewhat of a spoiler, this, I suppose. But I don't think it is, because I don't know what... It's a spoiler of something that I don't really understand. So I was chatting to Andy Murray before we yeah. came in here, and he said to me, oh, you'll like Rampage tonight. He's obviously seen the spoilers. I'm not going to reveal anything, don't worry, because I don't want to know. Yeah, thank you. I can yeah. He said, tonight, it's not explicit, it's not set in stone for full gear, but you get a pretty good indication as to who Punk is going to face at full gear. We are only, what, two weeks away from the pay per view. let's not forget. And it's all very much up in the air for one of their you know, top stars. The rest of the card is shaping up very nicely. Again, no spoilers, me and Hamplet, I haven't looked into anything, but Hamplet, if you were thinking about who they could set up with Punk at full gear, who would you go for? Obviously, we saw that bit of paper at the Jacksonville Jaguars game. and I think Wardlow's name on it, but there's... Yeah. Quite a selection that you could put with Punk and yeah, it would be a more than worthy pay-per-view match. This
3: yeah, so I like I like the Wardlow match because I thought in seeing it written down, I was able to map a story that would get us there. I think I even like yeah. bang on about it on these podcasts. The idea that the the Sting Derby Alliance kind of invites Punk into that world just enough to fight Wardlow, who was already, as we saw with Sean Spears and MJF on Wednesday, kind of being separated from MJF a little bit. There's a that they're getting more overt with the dissension. A punk victory over him would only drive that wedge further. I liked what I was seeing there. And yet it's not occurred on television. So it feels more headcanon than something that you can actually latch onto. Similarly, Ricky Starks, we all thought we saw the idea that punk runs through, runs the team to has gauntlet to get to Ricky Starks in something of a generational dream match. The exact type of match that Punk would want to have, but the exact type of match that AEW could promote on a Mm pay-per-view. And that, again, seems to have not really been touched upon at all on television. If anything, by Punk dealing with powerhouse Hobbs, he seems to have dealt with the problem, which was unexpected, but there we go. So I'm not ruling either of those out. Again, I'm coming at this spoiler-free. So one of them could indeed happen, and it would be fairly easy for them to drop... Punk back into those stories, but it does make you wonder if we're getting it tonight on Rampage. If you've got to think a little bit more outside of those parameters, um, and with that in mind, where else to go but Austin Gunn? You know, the Gun Club <laughs> that turned on uh, Paul White and Big Show and Punk. About- I'm, I'm being silly, of course. If it was going to be any one of the Gun Club, it'd be Colton. However, but um, no. So, but it does make you look towards the roster and to think, right, what is the plan here? Punk regularly. Does commentary duties on Rampage or does the not happy to be here fill stuff on Rampage? So it's really easy, as we've seen in the past, for a Punk feud to be set up through that medium. He was powerbombed through a table on commentary. He did his... Um, who was it against? Was it against... Um, was it for the match he had with Matt Seidel that was set up because basically Leo Rush was like, ah, oh, Punk's always there. Mm-hmm. What are you fighting CM Punk, Matt Seidel? Um, it was Powerhouse Hobbs where he said, I'm not going to let you, Team Taz, ruin this. I love doing this and I love coming here and being a part of this world. And you're not going to spoil that. They
2: found really creative ways to... Made of, the save like, and the Bobby Fish beat down.
3: Yeah. Like it, it feels... That that one wasn't quite as organic, but then his stuff after the fact about him not
2: liking bullies and all that sort of stuff. I, I just, We I, covered I, that I, anyway. We said... He's There and he's in the back, and someone's going, Someone's killing Sting out there. MJF's killing Sting, and he's run out and gone, God damn, Sting looks good. Oh, wait, no, this is a completely <laughs> different segment. No, it takes it's a long way, the uh, locker rooms from that's the uh...
3: that's what it was, the showers to the uh, to the ramp, long way away. So, yeah, it just I, I don't know. You in our little preamble before the podcast, you name dropped Eddie Kingston, which is interesting.
2: It's a dream it's match, isn't it? If you want to just cool. hoy a match on,
3: it's totally a dream match. It's one of those matches that brings like, because we're making the assumption, obviously, that, you know, we'll get to this, I guess, but Kingston's going to lose to Brian Mm Danielson. And then it kind of, it's the first point at which Brian Danielson and CM Punk are kind of in the same conversation for the first time. And it would be Eddie Kingston, I guess, being a little bit resentful of the pair of them. He's just lost to one, so he wants to prove himself against the other because he's in this, he's somebody a bit like Punk. He's Mm -hmm. in the winter of his in-ring prime, but he's been grafting away at this a lot longer and Punk has just strolled back in. And there's it, nice stories to tell. Another name I thought about, um, because he's not only is he free currently of obligations for full gear, I think, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but he's now free of a title. Is Christian Cage. and Punk has wanted to have um, great wrestling matches, details orientated wrestling matches. And that's Christian's MO. They're not always the ones that feel the most exciting on paper. And then, wow, do they come to life on the night. And that's very much been part of Punk's appeal thus far. Um, you've got the you've got their legacies in ECW that they share. Um, but you've hmm. got a genuine, you could draw on something fairly rich between the two of them as being contemporaries. But Christian, a bit, in a way, a bit like Eddie Kingston, a guy that wanted to have this run, but has sort of just really gotten on with it and has gotten in, gotten in the weeds a little bit, where old Greybeard is taking it one steady match at a time, getting his breath back. It's Punk's character. Ultimately, right, whoever it ends up being, Punk's character, I always feel like I'm on the defence force when I talk about CM Punk, because I know there's people that are not wholly convinced by this run. It is, to me, why this character is so brilliant, because mm. who on that entire list can't you pair this guy with They've established such a fantastic character for Punk. It mm-hmm. feels real, and yet it feels totally... You can transplant him so much into any angle that there's few people on this roster he doesn't work well with as a pay-per-view match.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked before uh, on previous podcasts about a CM Punk versus Cody match. Probably not going to be that, you would assume, with all the... Oh, yeah, Cody, language. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrade and Malachi and Pac That probably is going to link into a match And you also you don't really want to give them Just two weeks before full gear mm-hmm. For that sort of a feud But I think in reality Despite all those names that we've mentioned The real match we want to see, Michael Hamflet Is Punk versus Serena Deep. Well, I mean, absolutely
3: we do like, let's have the match now. We'll call it the Bret Hart Invitational. <laughs> um, you can only win by doing something for Arsenal. Or let's let's like get on with an agenda match that the world wants to see. Let's have let's have Punk and Deeb team up together in pink gear.
2: Punk and Deeb versus Tom McGee in a handicap match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey Sheen has got a partner. I think you know the guy. <laughs> Uh, right, you mentioned the Eliminator match. Uh, it's obviously one of the headline matches from Rampage tonight. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston sort of snuck up on us, and then they've had two fire promos, one on Twitter uh, and one on Dynamite this week. It's a mouthwatering prospect, this match. This is, you know, one of the matches you have to assume that is the reason why uh, Brian Danielson went to AEW, left uh, WWE. It's the sort of thing that he wanted to be doing. Uh, who advances the Eliminator tournament, and why is it Brian Danielson? <laughs>
3: i mean yeah it's i love the match i love the match um brian danielson and eddie kingston is an aw builds the roster it builds in the face of criticism sometimes for overloading it or there being a bit of roster bloat or whatever however you want to call it um but it builds the roster it builds for matches like this the diverse combinations of guys that you're going to get and you know like Kingston and Danielson have not travelled that many different paths. Mm. You know, they were both in, um, they were both sort of working the Indies at the same time before Brian got his, his WWE break. Of course, Brian was in Ring of Honor. I was just watching a Cage of Death match from the other day, the Ring of Honor CZW like story payoff that they both appeared in. That Brian was a big part of. That Kingston was a big part of. It's they're like look at them now. They are from entirely different wrestling universes but their roots run a lot deeper. And you've seen that in the in the fantastic build as well. I'm going to keep sort of delivering this line. Brian dannison is the best heel to play top babyface because <laughs> to neg him on not working hard enough outside the ring and then to have a shot at his mental health in the two face-to-face promos they've had is crueler. Is as cruel as MJF was to the Pillman family, but it's just been delivered in an entirely different way. Yeah. And it's got in Kingston's head and it's made him mad. And Kingston's going to make a mistake tonight and Brian Dennison's going to out-wrestle him a little bit more in his physical prime. A guy that, yes, has had to retire, but has had, shall we say, a bit more of a taste of the good life that pro wrestling can offer than Eddie Kingston has over the last sort of 10, 15 years. He's going to beat him. And he's going to beat him, if nothing else, because he needs to show John Moxley
2: that he can beat a guy just like John Moxley. He needs to show John Moxley that he can do it. And do you think we get a... Another different finish from Danielson tonight. I mean, I would love it if we did. Um, I I don't want...
3: So, by Danielson is setting up a series of submission and pinfall wins. And I don't want tonight to be the night that he establishes a new submission move against Kingston. It really holds a place in my heart, the finish to Moxley Kingston from last year, because they made you believe that not anything in the world could submit Eddie Kingston.
2: Mm.
3: He had a belt to bring... Like, Ruthie wants a belt. Like, she needs to know that her son hasn't wasted his life and he was ready to die and he had to submit. He had to do it because Moxley was just too tough. I don't want that to happen again for Kingston until he's next in a title match. I know this is a title tournament, but I think you've got something quite big picture there with Kingston. When he's fighting for belts, only then will he be prepared to... Like, if Brian Dannison puts him in a submission hold in a tournament semi-final, I want Kingston's, like, heart to stop in order for him to lose. Yes, like that. I think that's our, Like, I'm happy for a, a new killer finisher, um, but if it's going to be that, I would like it to be a pinfall. I could see why they would do the submission. I could see why it would be like Brian Danielson saying, "Look, you got you guys like you, John Moxley. You think that you're so hard and you're from the streets, and I should be afraid of you? I take guys from the streets, guys like your friend Eddie Kingston, and I make them scream for their lives. So why should I be afraid of you? I've got a daughter to get home to as well. You're nothing special." Like, I want that to be Danielson's MO going into the final. What
2: if, and I know this slightly, you know, doesn't really make sense because we don't know for sure that is going through to the grand final, but what if, gruelling match, obviously, between these two men, kick the crap out of each other, and then suddenly out of nowhere, Brian Danielson snatches Eddie Kingston up in a guillotine and realises he's not going to tap, and for whatever reason, he's not going out. So I'll just slightly as adjust my position, Hit him with a paradigm shift.
3: Oh yes, yes, that's a pin for yes, Wilborn. I'm that pervert outside the window again. Yes, yes, they're all coming from the my mouth.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Now, it is Halloween weekend, of course. Uh, are you dressing up with the kids? Uh,
3: yes, where there's a potential themed toy story trick or treat in weather, depending. I will be probably going as a giant version
2: of Andy for my little boys, as Buzz and Woody, respectively. I've, so, had, we, I've had, we haven't, I'm not sure if we're dressing up this weekend, but I've had nieces and nephews up last weekend. I've gotten uh, some more up this weekend. Mm-hmm. No, slightly part of joint that they're all better than me at pumpkin carving. I don't know when that was taught in schools, but I must have missed that date. I, you are
3: not wrong there. This is a generational thing. Pumpkin carving was something that looked very good on American television when we were kids, but not something that we did. No. At very best, there was a couple of times where we hollowed out turnips and put a candle in it. Very unremarkable. Like it spoke very much to post Thatcher's Britain class system, if I'm honest. But <laughs> uh, now it's this done thing. And yeah, my my, <laughs> my wife's had to get like biceps bigger than Brian Cage's to uh, help the kids carve pumpkins this year just because we've got to keep up with the neighbours. I can't
2: do it. So we did it last weekend, uh, and the father of my niece made a a wicked, like, Jack Skellington, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas one. Scarlett, my niece, made a a really nice one, and I made a passable one, let's be perfectly honest. I quite often got confused by people as the five-year-old's pumpkin but.
3: Two triangles, one for the eyes, one for the nose, and then like a slasher-type drag across the yeah. bottom for a
2: mouth. Yeah. But well, to add insult to injury, already rotted, mine. It's fallen over and rotted. <laughs> I love that. Not even Halloween yet. Fantastic. Anyway, the reason why I mentioned that is, of course, there is a trick-or-treat match featuring the AW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, against a zombie, Abaddon, basically. Yeah. Um The stipulation being because I think Britt Baker walked out on this match on the Jericho cruise if Abaddon wins here. She gets a title shot. And Britt Baker seemed concerned about all this until she found out it was a trick-or-treat match and it's no DQ.
3: Yes, I like this because AEW have established... Remember when this stipulation used to first happen where if you win, you get the title shot? We were so conditioned to WWE's match to build a match booking that we just assumed, oh, this is the way they're going to do it. AEW put this... Uh, as a title to some of the matches, but it's never a guarantee that the is going to win. And I don't think the is going to win here. They're quite no. careful about when they pin their champions. And even though they've kind of given you this idea that Abaddon might get a title shot, presumably before take Conti at full gear. I've not imagined that is announced, isn't it, for full yes. gear? Right, yeah. Um, they're the kind of they're the dropping the hook that maybe Abaddon will get a title match. This I don't think she will, but I think we'll enjoy getting to see her try. Um, Baker having the right smile because she knows that Reba not Rebel, Rebel not Reba, and Jamie Hayter can interfere on her behalf, should surely play into the finish. Um, Abaddon is a zombie, so the idea is she can't be kept down, and they're going to do lots of awful things to her, but she's going to keep rising up. How can we stop her? How can we stop her? They stop her, eventually. They just do it. The three of them stop her. Britt Baker gets the win. But you assume that, look at the numbers, Abaddon is going to be helped by, in the end, by Anna J and Tia Conti, and you potentially set up a six, a, a trios match as the last, as the last bit of build for yet again another kind of labored woman's title program. Like they, they, it's it's take on Nana energy. This is what they do. Like people yes. run in, people people hold their hands in the air. And like, and I, again, if they do that, like I'm not totally against it because I think I said this on another pod. I do like the idea that Anna Jay and Abaddon are kind of friends now. Like they've, <laughs> yeah. they've made peace with one another. Like Anna Jay has been through this before and it's, she, Abaddon's weird. We're not mates, but I get it. I get it.
2: I, I completely agree with what you said, uh, including the match result. And I mentioned, I think before, maybe our Dynamite review that you have maybe a scene where Rebel not Reba, Reba not Rebel, goes is is isolated let's say with abaddon who goes full zombie brains grabs her in the head taps it a little bit like in the simpsons and just moves on from her, <laughs> a funny little spot and also uh, another match that should not end in submission she should go for the lock joint abaddon should start biting her hand
3: oh yes that's really i thought you were going to say that like uh jaw
2: should fall off and i was like i've not we've sure got the prosthetics for that <laughs> but the- But yeah, don't try and put the lockjaw on a zombie. It's the one bit you should avoid. How powerful is that glove? That's what's going to be tested. Abaddon should just eat the glove. Just bite (laughs) his full hand out. Abaddon eats the glove. But yes, eventually, Britt Baker is victorious via the numbers game. Uh, And maybe, yeah, we get more of a setup for the. TJ, uh, save, and then eventually, obviously, the Britt Baker-Tay Conti match at Full Gear in two weekends' time. Uh, You heard it in the rap at the beginning. It's Martin Seidel 3. But the intrigue here, of course, lies with Leo Rush at ringside. It's a shame we're not getting the the tag match. I thought that could have been great. Obviously, we can't wait to see Leo Rush in an AEW ring for wrestling. But we referenced it on Dynamite when he cut this promo He's poisoning the mind of Dante Martin against Matt Seidel, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I quite like this as a, it's it's the obvious replacement to the tag match, obviously. But I quite like this as the continuing story of Leo Rush and Dante Martin, especially Dante Martin while he is without his brother. Leo Rush has found the perfect time to kind of, well, look. They're having the singles match. He's done an effective job of splitting up Don Martin and Matt Sydal, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. They were the makeshift, they were the makeshift tag team, and Leo Rush has been poisoned enough with his money and with his partner that he's already come in and split this team up, and they're fighting each other for a third time now. Um, the, I guess the um, the tag match can happen down the line unless at this point Darius is back. You know, whenever they can get to the, the mm-hmm. brother versus brother match, maybe at this point Darius is back, and Leo Rush is just like, hang on. What's this guy doing? Dante, I've been like a brother to you. <laughs> like, oh, my actual brother Leo, you're a weird psychopath. Um, but the match, ultimately, I don't, I don't think the match quality will suffer versus what we were going to be getting from the tag match, to be quite honest. Dante Martin and Matt Seidel have awesome matches. Um, Martin continues to get over um, with his high flying. Feels like it's underselling what he does, doesn't he? Mm. He continues to go with how high he flies. The visuals that you get the next day in that all important discourse, whether it be pictures, whether it be GIFs, whether it be eyes popping out of sockets and emojis. People cannot get enough of watching the things that Dante Martin does. And Matt Seidel is this really cool um, autumn of his career hybrid worker. He was the guy that could have that more grounded technical affair with CM Punk last week, but can reach the heights with Martin this week. So I'm expecting this to rule, actually. Mm. I think Martin will get the win because it's a nice win for him to get. He's probably going to have to lose more than he wins for quite a while, such as the way that the rankings work in AW. But Matt Seidel is kind of a free hit for them to give him a win here. And if nothing else, what it does, and you need to do this sometimes, is establishes credibility for a heel that we can all see is a dickhead. Mm. It's one of them things that AEW are quite smart with. We're watching these Leo Rush promos, and he's an arsehole, and he's a charlatan and he's just using Dante Martin. But why can't Dante Martin see this? That's mm-hmm. like, you don't want to be asking those questions too much because either he can just watch the show back and be like, wait a second. I don't think I all <laughs> Or he can himself live with this character and just think, hang on, I don't really like what's going on here. But if he wins, all of a sudden Leo Rush's methods are vindicated, aren't they? It's yeah. very much, to you throw a bit of credit to WWE, and we almost never do, it's very much what they did with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. Absolutely. Last week where post-Crown Jewel, Roman Reigns said, oh, you, you can hold the belt, can you? And it just lets you know that Roman's not that daft. Mm. You can see that Eamon's n- quite dodgy too. And you need the characters to not come across as completely thick. So Martin winning here, when Leo Rush raises his hand, he can say, look, I told you you stick with me, you'll go far. And Martin can go, oh, maybe maybe he's right. You know. Mm-hmm. So the story's
2: there as well. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for this one. Uh, one final thing we have to talk about, Hamflot. a report's coming out... Uh, Over the last 24 hours, about quote lots of fans walking out during Rampage this week. Now, this isn't like a I'm furious with what they're doing. I'm leaving, etc., etc. They uh, you probably can have guessed this already, but they opened the show with Kingston versus Danielson because they put the biggest match on first on Rampage because of the timings. It's 10 p.m. You lose your audience more and more as the, the night goes on. So people watch that and then trickle out or stream out by the sounds of some reports uh, during the latter matches, this Sidal martins and the, the trick-or-treat matches. What do you reckon to all this? Me and Sid, you've spoken about this quite a lot. What do you think about this? Um, can you sort of relate to the fans who have probably watched, what, nearly five hours of wrestling by this point? And is there any way AW can fix this issue for you?
3: Oh, it's really tough, isn't it? Um, I absolutely can relate. I've attended shows before that have ran long. There's one in particular that I know you were in the building for that ran <laughs> very long, and I think me and you were two of the only people left that could stomach seeing it through right to the end. But um, I also attended double tapings when WWE used to run them. You likes to be Super Smackdowns and Raws and things like that back in the day, where you felt like you were getting more for your money, and mm. um, you felt quite fortunate that you're getting two weeks. But well, this is not that era anymore. There's a lot of wrestling, a lot of wrestling. We are super, and you know we should be grateful. We often talk about how we're spoiled rather than grateful, to be honest, but you were super served wrestling every single week, and you want the thrill of the purchase of your ticket rather than, through the quality rather than the quantity, rather than getting match after match after match. Yes, you want to see everybody that you can. So for these fans, for example, Britt Baker only appeared in a backstage segment on Dynamite, so if I'm a ticket buyer, I'm desperate to see Britt Baker. I'm yeah. desperate to DMD in the ring. So I, I want, I'm going to stick around for Britt Baker's match. But that doesn't apply to everybody. You might have gotten everything you need out of Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, which I'm assuming is the walkout. So as a fan, I never like fans are the last people that I blame for anything. So whenever they're leaving because they're tired or they're leaving because their babysitter's only paid up till 11 pm or because mm-hmm. the last bus is there, whatever the reason, I'll never put it on the fans because you've paid your money. You can make your choice. It's the same thing about, oh, this crowd wasn't hot. This crowd was quite well given the product that makes them hot, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it is a perception problem for AEW, a two pronged one, because this is the literal opposite of the days when they were able to declare sellouts in every building. You know, that that era where everything Mm -hmm. was selling out pre-pandemic, that was such a cool thing. was such an awesome thing to be able to sell to people that other fans you know like oh you wanted a ticket you can't get one it's the hottest in town to television networks people are madly invested they're financially invested in our product so such a cool perception thing to be able to say that we're selling out buildings we can't like there's people queuing outside to get in queuing around the block it's the old you hear comment you can hear commentators saying it and it'd be a lie but it was true Mm -hmm. this is sort of the, the the literal opposite people are in and can't be asked to stick around for it That might not be a reflection of the quality of your product, but that's certainly what it says to outsiders. That's certainly what it says to people that are looking to maybe take a bit of a shot at the company or Mm. people that are looking for whatever reason to reduce the value of the company. So they do need to fix it. And I think this extends to the Rampage problem that they've not yet fixed. They have, unfortunately, um, because first impressions are made and then they're really hard to unmake, they have made Rampage the one thing they promised not to make it, which was a B-show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're asking fans to sit through a C show, then watch the A show, and then stick around for the B show. And uh, I, it's not my money, so I can, I can say that they should do other things with it. But there's a lot of people with a lot of very useful data in AEW. They know the cold, hard facts of why they do the things they do. Breakdowns of ratings by segments, cost-benefit analysis against commercial time, all that sort of stuff. None of that is done by fluke. None of it is done by accident. There are a lot of people making very big decisions. At what point do you go with the utopian solution and just get Rampage out there live on the road? Because I feel like that could be one of the... I think there's several barriers stopping this being an A-show and feeling like what we always wanted, which was one more hour of dynamite. There's a, there's a lot there beyond just
2: it going live. But I think that's a like that's starting to increasingly feel like a bigger one no, absolutely. And it is going to be fascinating to see how they deal with this going forward and whether it's reflected watching Rampage Night, now we know what we know. I've got to agree, I think, you know, it, it, Sid always talks about how expensive it is, but this is the company with, you know, a bottomless pit of money, let's be honest. And yeah. they they can still benefit from it. And I understand that, you know, people say, or people actually do put too much emphasis on the fact that, oh, if it's taped, less people watch it. I agree. I think I think it's the time slot more than anything that affects how many people watch it, not whether it's live or not, because true fans like you and I uh, will try and avoid spoilers if they can, especially if they don't have to do it in their day-to-day work like we do. So I think there's that. And I do agree that I think, getting that out there and and then you could do, you know, an hour taping of Dark Elevation with Dynamite. That gives people three hours and maybe an hour of Dark Elevation with Rampage and then the show and then maybe a big, you know, post-show match because, yeah, I mean, they're not doing massive, mad, week-long tours of areas at the moment. This isn't WWE, you know, burning out their wrestlers. So I think there's scope to do it. And I think you look at the the difference in ticket sales between WWE and AEW, the demand is there. Uh, You know, maybe you have to consider slightly smaller venues for Rampage, but if that's the case, that's almost the sacrifice they have to make, isn't it, Hampert?
3: Was um, Dynamite and Rampage, when they had the Saturday Dynamite after the Rampage, that was in the same
2: building but over two nights, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I'm confused by all that. But yeah, I, I think I'm so.
3: sure Jericho said, oh, uh, you brought the heat for two nights in a row or something like that, you know, so like two separate separate crowds, but in the same venue. Hmm. I, like, I, I again, I don't have access to the resources or how any of this would work. So take this just with the smallest grain of salt you like. But what about if you're booking, like we know these venues have to get booked a long way in advance, but the world is still only just opening up. What about always booking your TV in two night, like your venues in two night cycles. Yeah. When you make a deal with um, what you whatever it was, the Sears Centre in Chicago, I forget what it's been renamed, but they used it for, they ran for All Out, if you remember, they did the Wednesday Dynamite. They did the Rampage on the Friday with all the dark and dark elevation that comes with that. And they did the All Out on the Sunday, mm. all in Chicago. Be smart with it and book. When, when you're booking a venue, do it as a block booking and book the Wednesday and the Friday. Yeah, and offer people package ticket deals, offer people like the choice to go and see two nights of AEW rather than that feeling that maybe we've got them in the building, we've got to keep them locked in. Because as well, it allows you to be a bit more malleable with your booking strategy for Rampage as well. Um, live isn't necessarily the issue, as you say. If it was taped in the UK, just to give another like lived-in example, when SmackDown and Raw come over here, they don't run the shows at 2 in the morning they tape them <laughs> at 7 p.m. at night and then it goes out in america at whatever time the spoilers leak on the internet those ratings are never affected no, you're not telling me if you're not telling me is if on a friday night in chicago let's say at 7 p.m. they record it and at 10 p.m. it airs that three hours is going to make a huge difference to the
2: number. No, exactly. Well, we'll keep you posted on any developments with this. It's going to be intriguing to see how AW tackles this issue of theirs. And let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed, including that on Twitter at what culture ww. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our SmackDown preview is available right now. And Wrestle Culture is coming later with a hashtag BloodyGoodQuiz. And we'll be reviewing Rampage and SmackDown on Monday for you, of course, as well. And make sure you go and get your hands on Sidger's book, which is available to pre-order now. It's all about AEW. And if you're a fan of this, you're going to be a fan of his writing, of course. WhatCulture.BigCartel.com com is the place you need to head for that one but for now this has been the aw rampage preview my thanks to michael hampler thank you for joining us and we will see you soon